and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from under center, straight drop, it's another deep shot. Center of the field, on the run, 2015-10, touchdown! Welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Mark Rosen, your host again, and, and Kirk, there are losses, then there are losses. Uh, you went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NFL uh, on Sunday night, the Seattle Seahawks, on the road, and it had to be painful to come home on that plane ride uh, with another one-point loss, uh, literally a game of inches on Sunday night. Yes, it probably as disappointing as any loss I've had in the NFL in my nine-year career. Um, you know, we just we felt like we had it, and uh, like you said, inches. You know, was was the difference on several different plays, and it's it's it hurts. You know, it's tough to lose like that. But um, you know, when you sign up to play in this league, you know that the margin for error is very small. You know that so many games are going to come down to the final possession, the final play, and um, you know, you, you understand it's part of the deal. So we obviously now have to regroup and, and get ready for next week, not allow a tough loss in Seattle to affect the following Sunday. But um, you certainly also need to learn from, you know, all that took place on Sunday night. I think it was a, a stunning for a lot of national fans watching. You could not have scripted a better first half of football. Basically, almost flawless, 13 nothing lead. Uh, did not indicate really how dominant the Vikings were on offense and defense. It was a time of possession, a mix of the run and the pass, and you were close, close to delivering an early knockout punch, I think, near the end of that first half as well. Yes, I think we only had three or four possessions in the first half uh, because the drives were so long. I think we had a 17-play drive at one point. So I guess it's a positive, really, to be able to keep their offense, which has been so productive, off the field You know, was, was a great way to uh, – to keep them in check and um, we were running the ball well we had enough mix of play action and drop back and screens and uh, we were really doing exactly what we want to do who we want to be um, you know pr- protected the football in the first half and uh, it was great to get points in the two minute you know would have loved to have gotten a touchdown there at the end of the half instead of a field goal but we get three points gets us to 13 nothing and and the fact that our defense had held this Seattle offense scoreless in the first half was just a outstanding effort and um you know the the way the third quarter started just uh really set us back the first drive uh was indicative of really the way the first half went completed passes i think the five different receivers none of them named adam thielen 12 plays 77 yards capped off by a dalvin cook eight yard touchdown run uh we do you see some things that the that the seattle defense has been pretty forgiving on tape that you could take advantage of I do think our coaches had a great plan, uh, both in the run game and the pass game. I think the second play of the game, the pass play to Irv, was just a great play design. And then in addition, Irv made an unbelievable catch, uh, used his athleticism to separate and and then dove. And, and that was a big play to get us from second and long to you know midfield. Uh, really kick-started our drive. And and then, it like, like you said, a mix of run and pass after that. And... Uh, um, you know, it was, it was great to get in the red zone and then finish with a, with a touchdown run and uh, get up early like that. Well, you mentioned Irv Smith Jr. Uh, he's been pretty quiet the first uh, first four or five games of the season, four games of the season. You kept saying, just wait. We know we have to be patient. Uh, and Sunday night was an opportunity for, for the young man to, to shine in this offense. Yeah, and he made big plays. Uh, you know, I think he proved that, you know, he can play and, and we need to give him as many opportunities as possible. Um he had several big plays for us. 
Uh, he's blocking really well as, in addition to what he's doing in the past game. Um, so it was great to get him involved. We also ran 80-plus plays, and anytime you can run that many plays, you're just going to have more chances to spread the ball around to get more players involved. You know, in, in a couple of the games this year, we ran about half the plays that we ran, uh, you know, Sunday night. So it gives us more chances when you're running that many plays. Kirk, it was hard to tell on TV how hard it was raining. Uh, did it affect the game, the, the ball conditions, anything else, field conditions, or was it uh, just more of a nuisance than anything else? Yeah, I don't remember it affecting anything specifically. It's certainly something you're aware of all game long. Every single center quarterback exchange, I was just a little bit more uh, aware of securing the football and not allowing there to be a, uh, a turnover just in, a, in an exchange with the center. But as far as throwing the football, I think you just kind of play through it. It was also pretty windy at times. We had gusts of wind as well to deal with. So probably more of a nuisance than anything, and you just play through it. And if anything, you know, don't even think about it. We'll get to the uh, the fourth down play that a lot of fans are talking about uh, over and over again. But you established early in this game that you were going to go forward on fourth down. That seemed to be the mindset. A fourth and two conversion to Jefferson, another fourth down conversion that led to a field goal. So basically the idea was just keep Russell Wilson and this powerful Seattle Seahawks offense off the field as often as you can. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm sure Coach Zimmer checks in with with Coach Kubiak, you know, in those situations and, you know, says, do you, do you like the play you have? Do you feel good about it? And if so, let's go. You know, let's be aggressive and play to win. And, um, you know, and at one point it was a drop back pass. Another point it's a run. But, uh, you know, I think we look forward to those opportunities. And sometimes it can just be very strategic where you are in the field, knowing that it's going to be tough to get a field goal from, you know, uh, plus 30, but then also, you know, you're already past midfield. Let's see if we can get points, you know, beyond a field goal. And um, I think it paid off for us, especially early in the game. He had a 13 nothing lead, which is not a big lead, but uh, big enough, at least for halftime. He knew Seattle was going to counter punch in the second half. But the first play, offensive play of the third quarter, he threw a short pass to Dalvin Cook, and he came up limping. It looked like a left groin pull. Man, that had to be frustrating to see Dalvin. Uh, did he slip on the grass? you get a sense of what happened on that play? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what took place, but um, it is tough to, uh, uh, you know, have one of your best players, you know, go down with injury and not really be able to lean on him in the second half like that. So, um, you know, he hate to see it. And, um, you know, we just want to now get him back healthy and uh, be able to get back to uh, Dalvin being Dalvin as soon as possible. Uh, Seattle took advantage of a, a turnover. Your arm got hit on a release. Uh, I think they originally called it an incomplete pass, and some of the people in the broadcast booth were speculating that they heard a whistle, but the they, the play was overruled, and Seattle got the ball and ended up scoring on that play. What do you recall about that specifically? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a tough deal. I was just trying to check it down to Amir in the flat. Uh, thought, you know, we may not get the first down, but at least he can move some hidden yardage up there with field position, and we can have a you know somewhat positive play before we have to punt. And uh, my arm got hit, as you said, you know, and, and one of those deals where if your arm's not quite coming forward yet, then it's a fumble. And even though the ball went forward because it was loose in my grip, it's a uh, it's a fumble. And, um, you know, the whistle is is blown, but, uh, you know, the ball bounced up to them. And so then when they go back and review it, um, you know, it's Seattle ball and it's a turnover and it was a tough break. Uh, the other the other pass, uh, the one that Jefferson that was picked off, it looked like almost like a basketball type of uh a pass you wanted to throw to him, and that was just a little, little short of the mark. What, what was going through your mind? You looked awfully frustrated after that. Yeah, I was frustrated on that one because it was really an unforced error, uh, especially coming off of the fumble where they get points. You know, we just, I just didn't want to, uh, 
you know, gift them anything. I felt that was one of the ways that they were going to be able to beat us was if we gift wrap a, a turnover like that. And so it was frustrating, especially when I felt like we had a good play. Uh, if nothing else, I can run forward, maybe even for the first down on that play. So anytime you have a great play call, it's working and you, you feel like you have a play to, to make and you don't make it or you, or you don't make the best decision. Um, you know, it's extremely disappointing. And uh, that play was a gift wrapped play for Seattle. And, um, you know, they capitalized on it with a touchdown. And so we had a, we had dug ourselves a hole that we had to get out of. And just when it appeared that Seattle had retaken control of this football game, arguably one of the best drives we've seen in a long time, a 15 play 97 yard drive. You really had the Seattle defense and they seemed tired on their heels with Madison running for 20 yards, Jefferson and Irv Smith catching and all led to another touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. That was uh, take us through that drive a little bit in your mind because that that doesn't happen often against a, a Seattle defense. Yeah, again, it was a good mix of run and pass. We uh, spread it around to a few different people, and I thought it was great play calling by Gary. And um, you know, we had great protection. We mixed up the cadence and just did a lot of good things to keep him off balance. And when you can keep the tempo up and run 15 plays, I think you do wear down the defense a little bit and it gives you an advantage uh, as you're calling plays and running plays. So uh, great to finish there with a touchdown. I'm learning that, you know, the more you kick field goals in this league, the more you leave uh, leave points out there and it ends up coming back to haunt you. So on a drive like that, to be able to finish with a touchdown uh, was, was huge. We'll hear from our guest, Eric Wilson, in just a couple of minutes. He made a key interception, which gave you guys the ball and an opportunity to, to uh, deliver the knockout punch you, you, you got down to the fourth and inches. And uh, you're, as I mentioned, you already converted two fourth down plays. So the signal comes in, uh, go for it. I, I assume anyone in that offensive team wants to go for it on, on any situation like that because that's what the fans are saying. Kick the field goal, get up by eight, or, or, or go for it and knock, knock the Seattle Seahawks out of the game. Yeah, and I, I look back at the, you know, the two-point conversion that we don't get uh, because if you have the two-point conversion, now a field goal puts you up uh, 10. Um, and so, you know, there's other plays throughout the game. You know, I think if you uh, can get a touchdown instead of a field goal at the end of the first half in the two minute, um, these are all points that are left out there that now it's not eight, it's nine. And the minute it's a two possession game, it takes on an entirely different approach. But the fact that it was still going to be a one possession game with a field goal was certainly the driving force behind just knowing we could potentially end the game right there with a conversion. And um, when you've run for 200 yards and you have to get a few inches, uh, I think we all believed we could do it. Unfortunately, it, it didn't happen. So the, in the meantime, you have to go to the sidelines, probably uh, biting through your tongue at that point out of frustration, watching Russell Wilson eventually go down the field and another fourth down play. I mean, it just, uh, it, I, I don't know how you keep your composure at that moment because it had to be incredibly frustrating to dominate a game like that and end up seeing Russell Wilson pull the rabbit out of the hat again. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, to our defense's credit, they got him in a fourth and ten. You know, that's that's great defensive play to uh, to put them in that position where they're down to their last play, and then they got down to their last play again in the in the red zone. So I thought our defense did a great job. Uh, it was just one play here, one play there, a game of inches, uh, and you know they they made they made one more play than we did. And um, you know, my focus really on the sideline was just trying to be aware of at what point. You know, do we have enough time left to actually run a two-minute offense? And at what point do we have to start trying to, you know, when we get the ball back, 
kind of go for broke and force the ball down the field. And with about, you know, 15 seconds left, it just didn't give us a lot of time to, uh, to really put together a drive. I know we're all used to watching uh, these on TV right now, not having any fans in the stands. But when it's such a big deal is made out of the 12th man in Seattle, how weird was it not to see anyone in the stands and probably didn't hurt the opportunity for you guys to hear the signals a little bit more in Seattle? Yes, it had a different feel to it than my other trips to Seattle. Um, you know, one of the loudest places in the NFL when it's got fans in it. And uh, it's just so unique to hear the opposing sideline so clearly throughout the game. Uh, you know, when you're on the road, you're just not used to hearing them. Even home games, you're not used to hearing the opposing team. So uh, it just has a different feel to it this year, but we're getting used to it. And uh, when you go on the road, it's probably more of a welcomed relief than anything. Well, if you didn't know the final score of the game and you saw the the, the final stats, 31 first downs to, to 18 for Seattle. Uh, Seattle did not convert a third down 0 for 7. You had 83 total plays to 52, 449 yards of offense, and time of possession almost 40 minutes compared to 20. And you just shrug your shoulders. As a, as a quarterback of that team, it has to be uh, a little uh, – you have to shake your head a little bit and go, man, just a play here, a play there. And, and that was kind of the way it was with Tennessee. You've had two one-point losses now out of your four losses. Yes, and, and to run for 200 yards in both of those games, uh, I don't know the statistics on how often that happens to run for 200 yards and lose two football games. Uh, it's it's difficult. It's disappointing. But, um, um, you know, at this point, we can't go back. We just have to look forward and, and correct mistakes, understand we've got to play really efficient football. Um, you know, and I was so encouraged by our defense yesterday to, to – Prevent them from converting a third down is just a, that, that's an incredible performance. And, um, uh, you know, I think turnovers ultimately can decide games, regardless of how productive you are in other statistical categories. When you don't win the turnover battle, you really leave the door open for a team to be able to still beat you. And we'll be right back with our guest of the week, linebacker Eric Wilson on Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Park. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish, plus new additions like History Lessons featuring comedian and diehard Vikings fan Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly touted Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Information, Vikings.com slash connected. Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos. Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected Plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk, our special guest uh, tonight is Eric Wilson, who is the only player in the NFL right now with two quarterback sacks and two interceptions, which is saying something. And uh, I know a teammate that you really enjoy playing with of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Eric Wilson, thanks so much for joining the show. I want to ask you a few questions, allow our fan base to get to know you a little better. But uh, 
Just talk about your growth as a player. It seems like every year you've taken on a bigger role with our team, with our defense, with our special teams. Talk about that growth and uh, what it's like now this year uh, with the role you're in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. You know, like you said, I think my role has, has developed each and every year. Uh, I think my first year I started off on, on special teams. Uh, second year did the same thing, had a little bigger role on defense and that role on defense has been growing each and every year. And, and I think this year specifically, I felt like each and every game, you know, I've gotten better, you know, in, in different, I guess, aspects of, of playing linebacker. And, and I think, um, you know, it's been, been noticeable, noticeable for, for me. And, you know, I think, um, you know, just in my play, and, you know, kind of similarly, I think, honestly, I think our, our team each and every game this year is, is getting better um, in each and every game. So, you know, that's exciting. Is it different being a full-time starter as opposed to the role you've had of being a special teamer and then jumping in and out of different personnel now that you're on the field so much? Is there anything different in your preparation or the way you go about it? Um, you know, I think I've always prepared to, to be a starter and to be playing you know, as much as I am, um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of getting body work done and recovery, I think that's huge, uh, making sure that you're taking care of your body so you can perform at your best and, you know, you're feeling 100% each and every week. I think that that's really important, too. Can you, can you take us through uh, the interception Sunday night and kind of your process on that play and, and what you saw and, and uh, take, take us through it? Yeah, um, it was um, – I think we I had the I had the running back I think we we're we were in, in man coverage that play and um, the running back flared out so you know I I hurried out to get him and then he he was super close to the sideline so I was like you know well I'm, I'm gonna get this guy out of bounds just get him out of the play completely so I don't have to Smart. just keep chasing this guy around and then you know um, Russ likes to scramble so I got my eyes back and uh, EK actually put some some good pressure on him and he, he threw that ball up and I see that and I just went up and got that thing, man. It was awesome to to make that that play for our team. Yeah, Seattle felt like because you had stepped out of bounds that you can't be the first person to touch it, but that rule only applies to the offense, which is why you were so smart to push the receiver out of bounds uh, to basically make him ineligible. Uh, and then they all obviously also can't challenge a turnover. So that was a huge play. And and um, really at that moment with the field position you gave us, I thought if we go down here and score, it's game over. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. But um, your turnover was was uh, a, a huge part of giving us a chance to make it make it close at the end. I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship with uh, both Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. Obviously, two great players on our team, two great players in our league. They've been doing it for a long time. It uh, seems like you three have a great relationship. Obviously, you play the same position. You, uh, you know, kind of sharpen each other. But also in the off season, you spend a lot of time together, train together. Talk about that relationship and the dynamic of you guys pushing each other. Yeah, yeah, we have a great relationship. Uh, I think when I first came in, you know, those guys kind of took me under their wing. You know, I didn't, um, you know, know much about the league, but they gave me every tidbit that they could to to make me better, and not only that, but to make us better. Um, so we could compete, um, you know, against each other just to make each other better and make sure we're, we're all on our P's and Q's. And, uh, you know, I appreciate them and I have so much love for them. Um, and, yeah, we make each other better. 
Uh, we make each other better each and every day, uh, making sure um, that we're on our, in our details and on our communication and just leading each other and, and leading our, our team. I think it's, it's really important for us to, to be the leaders of the defense because we kind of we're in between the D-line and the DBs and we kind of have to bring everything together. And so uh, I think that relationship has definitely developed in the offseason. We spend a lot of time together uh, training in the offseason, which, which definitely helps us, you know, get to know each other more. What does your training look like? How do you guys like to train when you're out in California or wherever you are getting your work in? Yeah, we actually train. Um, we actually usually train early in the mornings. I think uh, 8 o'clock. And then we had this past offseason, you know, we trained early. We trained before our virtual meetings. So that was gotcha. nice to get that out of the way. And um, then we might do some, like, some ball drill, field work afterwards. Um, being in L.A., we, we had some beach workouts before uh, the beach was shut down. But, yeah, typically, we, you know, we get after it. We, we have fun. And then, you know, in Cali, we've been training in Cali. So we just enjoy the weather and just, just relax and, you know, just have fun, honestly, yeah. Now, you're one of those great stories who was an undrafted free agent. You know, so many players are brought into this league and they simply have a cup of coffee, as people say, and, and uh, they're kind of in and then they're out. Obviously, your role has grown every single year because you've had the right mindset. You are a great athlete. Uh, you're the kind of guy that when you when you see Eric Wilson out there as an undrafted player, as a quarterback, I would say this guy's going to be a player someday because he's athletic, he can run, he's physical, he's smart, he's going to pick it up. Did you know all that when you came in as an undrafted player? Did you feel like just a matter of time they're going to notice that I can play? Or did you feel like the – you know, the odds were stacked against you. What was your mindset back when you first came into the league, knowing that it's an uphill battle for an undrafted player? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, being undrafted, you definitely know, I guess in a sense, the, the odds are against you. And, you know, it's just, just the way the league is when, when you are drafted. I guess they're, you're, you're more favored. Like, you, the team knows that they want you. And when you have um, – when you're undrafted, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. But I had the – utmost confidence you know in my abilities uh in my preparation you know to learn the playbook you know I studied a lot I studied each and every day I made my own little way of studying to make sure I knew the place so you know that wouldn't be any type of setback and you know I, I know that I'm an athlete and that I can compete with with anybody so I, I had that mindset and yeah. you know I took each and every day as an opportunity to to get better and and to work on my craft you know I think uh, each and every day, even now, like I, I learn more about football. I learn more about being a, a technician, and you know, truly just learning how to to dominate my my game in whatever way that might be. You know, you never really know. I guess playing linebacker, what your matchup is going to be, and, and being able to to sort that out and to make the right reads and and to react properly. You know, it's big. And we'll be right back with more from linebacker Eric Wilson right here in Under Center with Kirk Cousins. It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game for the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is a proud sponsor of Under Center. Yeah, I certainly want our fan base to know that uh, 
Uh, among great athletes, Eric Wilson is a great athlete. Uh, he was a multi-sport athlete in high school. He was a state champion in the long jump. He uh, was an all-conference player in, in college, but uh, you know made a difference on special teams for us. And uh, I remember when I first arrived at the team in 2018, and I, I see him out there, and I just see the way he runs, the way he can take on blocks, the way he can kind of be a do-it-all player. And I'm thinking, this guy's a reserve player? Like, he's he's a backup and special teamer? Like, where I came from, you know, guys like this were starters. So uh, that was encouraging to see how much depth we had. And obviously, in, in time, the cream always rises to the top. And so you've kind of continued to move up in this league. And I think your best days may even still be ahead of you because of the type of player and person you are. But uh, uh, it's been great to watch your journey up close and uh, excited to uh, to see where it goes from here, especially knowing that you're a guy who went to high school in Michigan, uh, as I went to high school in Michigan. So we got that connection a little bit. But uh, Rosie, what else do you have for him? Well, I was going to ask Eric about going to Northwestern, the moving on to Cincinnati, what that journey was like and what, what kind of a learning curve uh, was that for you both? Uh, from a football standpoint, but also a personal standpoint, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I um, started out at, at Northwestern, and, you know, that was definitely a, an experience for me um, in terms of, I guess, just maturing, honestly, and, and in terms of being able to handle that, um, you know, in terms of, like, learning football and being good in, in schoolwork. And I think, uh, you know, that was a, a definitely a, a journey for me, uh, in terms of just growing up and, and taking care of business, honestly, in any facet of life. Okay. So, um, you know, when I, I, I found out that that wasn't, you know, truly the best place for me, uh, transferred to Cincinnati. And I think that in doing that, you know, um, kind of similar to, to being undrafted when you when you transfer and you have to take that that sit out year, you know, you have to, to really to hone in on your craft and continue to work and not take that year to just slack off and 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 that's exactly mm -hmm. what I did you know I I got stronger in the weight room I, I learned more about football and um I got better better each and every day and um I I started in in multiple positions at, at Cincinnati which I think that that also helped uh me now and, and my versatility and, and playing you know different linebacker positions and and just being ready to compete in in any way possible uh yeah you also earned your degree in sports management. Is there an area post-career that you'd like to get into in athletics? Because you also, I believe, served in the uh, as an intern in the Cincinnati Athletics Facilities and Operations Department. Yeah, yeah. That uh, internship definitely showed me a lot about the behind-the-scenes work of what it takes to get ready for a game. You know, those, those people get to the game hours before to set up every little detail that you know, before I, I wasn't really aware of, but now I, I definitely have a, a so much appreciation for, for the people who work for us in, in terms of not only our, our coaches and our, our staff members here, but the people that are there on game day and, and a more of an operation standpoint. Um, but as far as me uh, and, and what I'd like to do with that, having that sports uh, management degree, you know, I think, Honestly, I have, a, I have a love for the game of football, and I have a, a love for sports in general. So I feel like I could, I could work in, in any different, you know, fields. You know, I don't, I don't really know. I could, I could definitely coach one day. I, I feel like I know a lot about the, the X's and O's and, and mm -hmm. that standpoint. So, yeah, I think um, there's a lot of opportunities there.
In terms of uh, your young teammates as well right now, the learning curve you're going through, is there, is there a sense that you have to just kind of stick through it and understanding that there will be brighter days ahead, that you guys are pretty young, looking in the secondary, your linebacking core, that you will get through this and you will learn from all this, even if you lose in a few games here now? Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely get through this. I think, um, you know, although the season has, has been what it, it's been, I think um, it's still the, the, you know, the, the start of the season. Like the season just got started and we have a lot of football ahead of us. And I think, uh, you know, even though, like, we didn't win um, last night, I think we, we have a lot of great things uh, from that game uh, that we can move forward and continue to develop and, and to obviously learn from those, those plays that, you know, we, we could have done a little bit better. And, and to, to win that game, I think there were several plays where we could have literally just won the game with those plays. And for a, for a young player, um, seeing that and knowing that and, and knowing that, you know, we're right there. Um, we're right there in, in terms of being able to win and, and to learn how to win and continue that, um, I guess, mentality of winning and continuing that, that excellence. I think uh, we're right there and, and just being able to, to persevere through those type of things is, is something that, you know, these young players need to continue to do. What can get lost a lot in a loss is all the good that happened throughout the game. And when you think about Seattle's offense, what they had been doing the first four weeks of the season, the points they were putting up, the production they had, um, there was so much good by the defense, so much good by you guys, uh, you know, holding, holding teams, keeping them out of field goal range. And when they do get in field goal range, preventing touchdowns, uh, something I've always admired about our defense Talk about um, just the situational awareness and the challenge you had going against such a, a productive offense and holding them scoreless the entire first half. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I was, I was fired up for the game. I was, I was really excited. I think that's the, the feeling that I had most was just excitement to go out there and to perform at my best and do my job uh, the best I could and to, and to you know, lead our, our team into doing our best and, which I think we, we did a great job in a lot of different areas. And I think we were really focused and, and we knew that, you know, they are a good offense and they're a good team, but we are also a good team and a good defense and have a good offense and special teams. So I think when we really focus on ourselves and doing our job and, and giving ourselves that credit and, and you know, really being focused and determined to, to go out there and, and win, that we can truly do that. Is it a real cat and mouse game when you go up against a Russell Wilson trying to stay disciplined at the same time, understanding that you know, it's not it doesn't take much to get out of your lane and let him kind of do his thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a he's a good quarterback. He he's good at throwing the ball. He's good at, at diagnose, diagnosing uh, the defense and you know moving around the pocket and, and scrambling and getting those yards. Um, he's good at those things. So I think um, you know when when he starts to move around, I think just doing your job, but if you have to cover somebody, cover them. And then, you know, we'll rally to the quarterback in, in terms of the, the D-line D and just putting pressure on him. I think we did a, a great job of, uh, you know, containing him and, and doing well in the passing game. Um, like I said, we had we had opportunities to, to win the game um, with all that being said. And, you know, we just have to take advantage of those opportunities. Well, Eric, uh, uh, we got Atlanta coming to town this next Sunday. Uh, last year, as you remember, week one, they came to town and you had an enormous punt block that really 
got our season off on the right track and uh, really kind of was the first big play of the year and uh, and got us going in the right direction. Um, any thoughts now as we head up to Atlanta or head head towards uh, the Atlanta game and um, uh, your memories from that game last year against them? Yeah, yeah, that was a great, um, that was the first game of the of the year and we had several uh, big plays, um, you know, to start off the season right. Um, obviously, uh, my big play was to get that punt block. I think it was the first, it was the first punt of the year, punt block return of the year, and we got that punt block. And it was great to to start off the season right, and and with that excitement and, and force. And um, yeah, I think, um, like I said, with all all that's been done, I think we have a lot of, of great things to, to take from our gameplay and to continue to develop and to and I think we just need to to continue to to work hard to to focus in on our craft and and to make sure we do all the the little things to to continue to to strive and winning. Eric, I know you're a Midwest guy, so living in the Twin Cities must feel pretty normal to you. I also understand you're you enjoy skateboarding, which I think is probably coming to a halt pretty soon given our weather conditions. But uh, tell us some other things you like to do uh, uh, off the field a little bit as well in the Twin City area. I found a, a new enhanced love of just enjoying nature. You know, out here there's a lot of of different sceneries and, and places to go to just relax and enjoy nature. Uh, I live right by the Mississippi River, and it's uh, it's like a two, three-minute walk just to walk from my apartment onto the river. And, um, yeah, I like to just relax and, and enjoy the weather, uh, enjoy the people, my teammates, my friends, and, and just eat some good food, honestly. I like eating good food, too. <laughs> good for you, man. That, that's great. I uh, I feel the same way. You know, as you know, Eric, this the season can be a grind. You know, you have these tough losses. Emotionally, mentally, it can beat you up. And Sometimes on an off day, just going for a walk through a park can be uh, more beneficial than people realize. You just got to kind of clear your mind and, and you know, de-stress. So good for you for doing that. And uh, yeah, I, I just want to say, Eric, you know, I just uh, I don't think you've even scratched the surface of who you can be as a player. I think your best days are ahead of you. I think you're uh, a tremendous player for our team. And uh I think you got a long, long, bright career ahead of you in this league. And, and having been an undrafted player, I just think it says a lot about you and who you are as a person and a player. So I can't wait to uh, see your success up ahead. Hopefully we can get another punt blocked against Atlanta on Sunday and maybe make a few more plays beyond that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. A special thanks to our guest, linebacker Eric Wilson. We'll be right back to preview next week's game against the Atlanta Falcons right here in Under Center with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. After every Vikings game this season, make sure to log on to the team's digital and social platforms to watch Vikings Post Game Live, a new streaming postgame show providing fans with highlights, postgame sound from head coach Mike Zimmer and players, analysis, and much more. Fans can watch live or on demand via Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. For more, visit Vikings.com slash postgame show. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, Mark Rosen alongside as we get ready for the Vikings to host the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday back at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Kirk, uh, got to get back to work, as you mentioned always. Last game before the bye, the winless Falcons coming in here. They fired their head coach, fired their general manager. No one's quite sure how a team like that will react coming in, other than the fact that uh, maybe they'll rally around their, their interim head coach. Yeah, I think you said it. Typically when a team uh... – 
has something like that happened, someone gets fired many times, there is a rallying effect and, and um, you know, we have to be ready for their best shot. So uh, we expect them to come into Minnesota, you know, hungry and, uh, you know, when the team gets their back against the wall, usually they come out swinging. So we've got to be ready to take their best shot and, um, you know, and, and then we've got our bye week afterwards. So we want to go into the bye week with the right taste in our mouth and that's going to require a win. How do you prevent from getting discouraged, especially with those, you know, just gut-wrenching one-point losses? And it'd be easy to get down, but you're professionals. You get paid to do this. At the same time, you got young players who may be looking for the veterans to kind of lead them out of the wilderness a little bit here as well. Yeah, gut-wrenching is a good word for it. Uh, it's certainly been difficult so far, five weeks in. Um, but I think we we go back to the fact that we believe we have a good football team. We believe we have a strong locker room, and that can carry you through the toughest of times. So. Uh, we go right back to work. Um, you know, we we don't, you know, read the good when it's good. We don't go out and read the bad when it's bad. We just listen to our coaches and and stick to the task and stay to the grind and, um, you know, and believe that if you keep doing that, that over time, you know, it'll work itself out and good things are are, are up ahead. I think I think back to those first two games against Green Bay at U.S. Bank and then uh, at Indianapolis, and what a contrast. Uh, the offense in whole uh, from uh, time of possession, productivity, getting more people involved. How far has this offense advanced since those first two weeks? Yeah, I think, you know, outside of the Indianapolis game, I think our offense has put together some good performances uh, throughout the year. Very balanced, you know, running the football well. I think we've been productive throwing the football. Uh, I think, you know, bringing Justin Jefferson along has been a, a major positive. I love what we have at the tight end position, the depth there. Um and you know, I love what Chad Beebe does for us in the slot. I think Adam Thielen's continued to be Adam Thielen. So you look around at some of those skill positions and you feel really good about, you know, the, the pieces we have. And um, I think we kind of figure ourselves out now five weeks in without the preseason. We've kind of learned what we want to look like, who we are and, and how we're going to look moving forward. Um, so I feel good about our offense. And that's why, you know, you do get back to work and you're optimistic about what the rest of the season can hold. If you would, Kirk, take the fans through the process of uh, films uh, the, the day after uh, breaking down film, both individually, uh, maybe by position, and also with uh, head coach Mike Zimmer, what that process is like. Yeah, typically uh, on an away game, I have my uh, tablet on the way home and I'm watching the game film on the plane uh, and taking notes right away because I like to knock it out. Some people like to wait until the next day, but I like to kind of get those thoughts out of my head right away by watching it. Um, but with the nature of the game last night, you know, we got on the plane and I think it was about 1 a.m. Minnesota time. So I put my, you know, chair fully reclined and, and just tried to sleep as best I could for about three hours and steal some, some sleep. And then we get back to our house maybe about 5 a.m. And then I tried to steal some sleep there as well. Uh, so I'm, you know, I've been going on a little bit less sleep as a result of an away night game, but, uh, uh, then we come in and it's, it's uh, you know, watch the film. Usually I watch it twice before I watch it with the coaches just so I can have a good feel for the flow of the game and then watch it with the coaches, with our offensive staff and with my teammates. And we kind of talk through and I'll even make side notes. You know, in addition to my own notes, I'll make notes for teammates of things they did well, things that, uh, you know, I need them to do differently. And then, you know, whether it's a text or pull them aside in the building later that day just to kind of reiterate you know, what they did well or what we need to do differently to be better and um, just keep that conversation going. I think the most valuable film you can learn from is game film. You know, we watch a lot of practice film. We watch a lot of film of opponents. 
but ultimately uh, game film where you're the one playing is the most valuable game film is the most valuable tape to learn from. So um, these Mondays after games, Tuesdays after games are are very important to uh, to to get together and be coached and and get better. You took a couple of shots uh, from uh, some of the Seattle defensive linemen as well, probably frustrated at times on screen passes that they couldn't get to. We talked about that a week ago. How do you take care of your body during a season like this, the day after, a couple of days after, to make sure you're, everything's in working order as you progress throughout the week? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, approaches, kind of a multifaceted uh, approach to staying healthy. Everything from you know working with our trainers here in the building um, seeing my own, you know, body work people, as I like to call them, uh, back at my house, uh, they spend, you know, time with me multiple days of the week. Uh, even sitting in a hyperbaric chamber that I have at my house, I try to get in there uh, a few hours a week to try to help with recovery and just kind of as a catch all to get everything back and, and healing up. Um, and then your diet, you know, I think is important that if you're putting good things in your body, then you're going to be able to heal a little quicker. Um, I think sleep is important, you know, trying to have a disciplined sleep schedule. So I'm not staying up too late. Uh, and I think if, if I can do all of that, you know, the body work, the, uh, the treatment, the, you know, sleep habits, the, the, the hyperbaric chamber, you know, good diet. I I'd like to think that all of that, you know, helps with the healing process. And then, you know, you, you're still going to have your hits. You're still going to have soreness that you got to work through. It's part of playing the game. And so you just, uh, uh, take them as they come, and you try to play smart and not subject yourself to more hits than you need to. Kirk, you used the word diet. Even for the, the weekend warrior, what does that word uh, translate to in terms of eating clean? What, what, how do you, how do you, how, what, what does that constitute? Yeah, I heard a, a, a teammate once kind of explain to me in the simplest terms. It clicked with me. They said, uh, you know, basically we try to avoid, you know, processed foods, heavy sugar, um, and, and if there's anything on a blood test that would show that your body is allergic or sensitive to that, then don't eat that. But outside of that, you know, pretty much have at it. So I tend to eat a lot of meat, a lot of seafood, a lot of vegetables and fruits and nuts. And some people call that paleo. Uh, some people call that keto. But um, I try to eat that way. I found that's what my, my body best uh, responds to. But I do think everybody can be different. And that's why, you know, when you can get a blood test to kind of tell you what your body wants and needs, it's very helpful. Do you have a specific guilty pleasure uh, meal oh, yeah. you'll have once in a while? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, just last night we're, you know, at 4 a.m. I was, I'm, I'm hungry when we land and get back to the facility. So I'm getting in my car and I'm on my phone wondering what's open right now. And can I grab some fast food quickly before I go back to sleep? So I'm just like any other person in this country who loves to eat fast food and donuts and dessert and you know the whole nine yards so yeah i mean at the end of the day you know i kind of take the 80 20 rule where 80 percent of the time i'm going to be disciplined but 20 percent of the time i'm gonna enjoy my life and and that leaves room for uh, all those fun things well uh everyone knows when you play uh the national football league sometimes you know people say it's not for long i assume you saw the gruesome injury to quarterback Dak prescott on his run and and uh, everyone has such compassion for for Dak. And, and and what are your thoughts as a fellow quarterback when you see something like that and understanding that uh, it's such a fragile world you guys live in? Yeah, you're reminded of the fact that uh, it's a physical game and that at any moment, uh, your future, your season, you know, your health can change. And, and you know, we, we live that. We know that as we go through each week and each game. We know the risks we take on. 
And, um, you know, the word was kind of circulating in our locker room pregame about what had happened to Dak and guys were watching the video and I just said, I don't even want to see it, especially not right before our game. Um, but obviously understood the severity of it. And, uh, um, you know, I, I feel for him and, and the reality is he's a great player. He's shown that for several years now. He was showing that early this season, and uh, I expect him to heal up quickly and and continue to be a great player in this league for a long time. One final question, which we could probably spend 10 minutes on as, as the season progresses, but the NFL is doing a juggling act right now. I think eight games have been rescheduled or pushed back to week seven or eight or trying to keep up with it is, is craziness. But uh, is it show, does it also demonstrate how fragile uh, this whole existence is with COVID trying to keep people healthy, trying to keep them on the negative side. The Vikings have done a tremendous job, but uh, it seems like it's a really slippery slope with the NFL right now. Yeah, it is a little fragile um, to this point. They've been able to manage it well and figure out the scheduling. I don't know all that goes into moving games around, but it sounds like they've been able to make that work. Um, it's so important that we keep it out of our of our building as best we can. And um you know, if we do our part, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to play 16 games and 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 hopefully more than that. So we'll keep trying to do our part. Uh, our our training staff is is very diligent and they're staying on top of everybody in the building, making sure that we're, you know, re, you know respecting the social distancing and wearing masks and using our tracers and and um, you know our protocol has worked really well for us so far. Well, back at it on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. Good luck, Kirk, and thanks so much as always. Thanks so much, Rosie. Looking forward to Sunday. Well, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm.